The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. All right, we ready to rock and roll? Yeah, let's do it. Let's hear some Christmas music. Christmas music? (laughs) Now I gotta rewrite the whole show! (laughs) Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. We are going higher indeed, everyone. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Marie Early broadcasting live here from Big D, that's Dallas, Texas, on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Hello. <laughs> hut, hut. <laughs> Good yeah, afternoon. I <laughs> yeah, I want to be the first uh, radio station. Hey, Jerry, can you turn my volume up a little bit? I don't know. Maybe I'm really gone deaf or it just feels so different because I'm at the home studio today and not in the iHeartMedia studios. It seems dismal. There's there's <laughs> not really any way for me to turn it up over here. Why? Really? Yeah. Shoot. We we send you a signal at a certain uh, level. Right. I don't know. That's You know, I love being live in studio. I do. It's, it's, it's such a treat, whether it's here at my home studio or actually on Spring Valley in the Tollway at iHeartMedia uh, offices. And, uh, but, uh, or I should say broadcasting uh, towers. Or not the towers aren't actually there. Where are all the towers? How many sets of towers are there? There here? are a number Three, of towers. Three, right? Three we sets? Have, well, for FM, for AM, we have one. Right. And uh, that is in Duncanville. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one that does this. The others, I believe there are three with a backup tower. Uh, so our FM stations have an effective radiative power of 100,000 watts. Mm. Wow. That's the fancy term. Mm-hmm. Well, 1190 uh, KFXR, we're, we're a 50,000 watt station, right? Um, during the day, yes. During the day, yes. On AM stations, you have to turn the wattage down at night. Right. Because you have to compete with the sun during the day, but not at night. Mm -hmm. If we didn't turn it down at night, then we would overpower stations all the way into Oklahoma. Yeah, isn't that nuts? It's so fascinating, the science behind it. It really is. But I love doing radio, and I love being here, and I know you guys do, too. And, uh, Jerry, how's it going with the little puppies? Any names yet? Wonderful. Yes, they are officially named. Oh, let's hear. Rocky. Okay. And Melody. Oh, Rocky that's and Melody. Cute. That's so cute. Yes, that's my little rocket dog. And uh, <laughs> Melody, one of the reasons why she has that name is because she has what looks like a bass clef on mm. her shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's this little round kind of like ear-shaped thing with two dots next to it. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it. And, you know, I, I, I don't I don't think you'll mind me sharing this, but, you know, Jerry calls. We talk every morning before the show, typically, if we're not in studio. And this morning when Jerry Yeah, when called, they're in the studio, I don't talk to him at all. <laughs> <laughs> when when Jerry called in this morning, I barely recognized him. He, sound happy, he sounded happier than I have ever heard him since I've known him now. Uh, I've known you for years, but actually, you know, talked with you uh, daily. You just sound so happy, and I'm telling you, a well, puppy, we a puppies will bring you happiness. Dogs, cats, whatever it may be. Animals are a wonderful part of life. I had been doing your show for a month when I had to put um, 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jackie. A month and three weeks ish. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had to put Jack down. Yeah, I remember. And, and been... I really, I hadn't been the same since then. Yeah. And I know. you know, other stuff happens, and it's, it's, it was just, it was a lot easier to deal with it when I had my Jack dog. Yep. Yep. I get it. So many people out there can relate. I think of a lot of people, whether it be a dog or a cat, that special connection that you have with an animal that you just never. I don't know. I, I've never had as special of a connection with a human as I have an animal. So I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> oh, well, they're just, they're unconditional love. Yeah. That's they're what amazing. they're here to teach us. That's yes. why they don't live as long as we do. They already yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. They're just here to teach us that. We're the ones they, that are stubborn. And and the present moment, they teach us that. I mean, I saw And a how to put lo- somebody in front of, like, truly put someone before yourself. Uh-huh. You know, how many times have I been at a party and it's like, you know, I would love to stay here and get drunk with you guys, but I got to go home and let my puppy dog out. He's been holding his water yeah. for the last four hours. That's right. You know. Yeah. I think my cat does have conditional love, though. Oh, all cats have conditional <laughs> love. No, no, that's a, that's that that's part of the cat union. It's in the, it's in the bylaws. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're having, you know, uh, speaking of cats, my cat, Dean, uh, this morning I was putting, I got a, I got a pink Christmas tree, you guys. We're having Pinkmas at my house. It's pink. <laughs> Pinkmas. It's so cute. Oh, my gosh. It's so cute. And um, and I actually got two pink trees, one light pink and one dark pink. One I'm going to put at the top of the stairs and one I'm putting in the living room. But, uh, oh, my gosh. And um, and I didn't break the bank on them. And, I, and they're not too tall, so I think they're going to, I think they're going to hold up. They're going to last. One. I bought uh, that was 12 foot a couple of years ago and the base broke and we tried to weld it and to uh, yeah. and it just anyway uh, I don't know it just t- it's it's a bigger repair than just a weld um, anyway but oh, I was going well. to say so I wasn't even dealing I wasn't even putting the the pink Christmas tree together uh, for I don't know five seconds before Dean got on the table <laughs> and just started you know jacking with it we're climbing it. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh! What is it with cats and Christmas trees? They lo- they love climbing trees. Plus, you put <laughs> a know. bunch of dangly stuff on it and like flashy lights, and it's it's amazing. It's not like a cat beacon. It's just <laughs> cats waiting outside of doors to get inside to climb Christmas trees. And I don't know what it is, but my cat, anything I'm doing, whether it be working on you know a notebook or I was doing a puzzle one time, and the yeah. cat will get on it and <laughs> knock it all like. The cat knocked by puzzles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Or they'll sit in the middle of whatever it is you're doing. You're trying to work on the laptop. Yeah. They're on the yeah. laptop. You want to watch TV. They're crawling up, putting their face in yours, you know. Yeah. I have to tell you, I have to give another shout out for Trader Joe's. And they're not paying for this. I just love Trader Joe's. And I went there the other day. And, you know, everybody likes a good deal. And, and everybody's struggling a little bit right now. I don't know anyone that's not having money issues. And so, you know, they've got this, they have this whole line of butternut squash or squash fall like appetizers and this, uh, this caramelized onion butternut squash tart for only $10. Mm-hmm. And then I went and, and, and they also have, uh, this is what made me think of it, this great cat toy. I mentioned it last week on Furry Friday for four ninety nine. you guys. And they've got um, paw, Paulicious or something or puppy uh, advent calendars and cat advent calendars and just some really great things. What? I'm sorry. Why are you the rolling your eyes at me? She's rolling <laughs> her eyes at me. The pet <laughs> advent calendar, the, like your dog wants to open one of those windows every day. It's for you, fool. Uh, <laughs> 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 to have fun with it. What are you talking about? <laughs> and you interact when you say, hey, little Dean Dean the dance machine, look what I got for you today. Oh. It's almost Christmas. 
It's the happiest time of the year. Come on. It is, right? It's the most wonderful time. We haven't even eaten the turkey yet. I know. I know. Stay in your lane, fat boy. We haven't had the turkey yet. We're just, some of us are still struggling to get out of Halloween mode right now. Oh, not me. I love. I just love Christmas. And, and my daughter's getting married at the first of the year, and we're having her bridal shower during the Thanksgiving weekend. And so we're just, we are so pinked up at this house. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Yes. Ridunculous. I <laughs> love the holidays. I do, too. I do, too. Yeah. I, I, I really do. Uh, Christmas used to be my favorite holiday, and it's still a very close second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, oh, what was I thinking? I was thinking about uh, New Year's. Somebody told me a, about a New Year's party. Anyway, never mind. I'm, I'm mm. just speaking off. Clearly, off the top You're of my head. You're getting way ahead now. I'm getting way ahead You're now. That, that's called stream of consciousness. Yeah, it's consciousness. Well, th- what a great segue to what I wanted to bring up, because we've got a great guest today. I cannot wait to talk to her. She is an author, Laura K. Con- um, Connell. She is a trauma You almost informed. said Laura K. Conscious, didn't you? I know, I did. <laughs> Laura K. Connell is a trauma-informed author and coach who helps her clients uncover blind spots that lead to self-sabotage. Her book, It's Not Your Fault, the, sub- the subconscious, conscious reasons we self-sabotage self-sabotage and how to stop them it's a fabulous book it's a must read for anyone who has suffered in the hands of a toxic family i think we could all agree that i don't i don't know a family that doesn't have a little bit of toxicity right Right. yeah i don't either yeah i mean everybody does it's just i think and if you're listening and you can't think of the one in your family who's toxic (laughs) it's probably you so you might want to listen Oh, my gosh, that's funny and and, and really true, actually, I think. But let's go to break and let's get Laura on the air with us. Uh, It's not your fault. We're going to talk about it. The book right after the break. Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. Centuries before scientists identified the incredible nutritive value of beef liver, our ancestors naturally revered it for the energy and vitality it provides. But most people today find liver's health benefits much more appealing than its flavor. That's why our partner EnviroMedica offers a superior New Zealand grass-fed beef liver supplement. All the complex benefits of this ancient powerhouse superfood in modern, easy-to-swallow capsule form. Find out how to rewild yourself for optimum health at EnviroMedica.com. That's EnviroMedica.com. We've all heard the mantra that vaccines are safe and effective, but is it really true? Turtles All the Way Down, Vaccine Science and Myth is an in-depth review and analysis of the science on vaccine safety. By the time you finish reading, not only will you see the answer clearly for yourself, you will also have the scientific references and quotes at your disposal that prove it. More than 1,200 of them. From mainstream scientific papers and textbooks to official government publications and vaccine manufacturers' documents. Whether you are new to the vaccine debate or a veteran seeking a deeper grasp of the science, Turtles All the Way Down Vaccine Science and Myth is a must-read. Now available on Amazon. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. Welcome back to One Life Radio, everyone. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti 
with Jerry Caldwell and Marie Early. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We have Laura K. Connell with us. She is a trauma-informed author and coach who helps her clients uncover blind spots that lead to self-sabotage. She writes about healing dysfunctional family dynamics, and her guest articles uh, have further reached millions through personal development websites and national newspapers. In her new book, It's Not Your Fault, Connell helps readers uncover the subconscious reasons they hold themselves back and explains that these blind spots were often created in childhood as coping mechanisms in response to trauma. You can find Laura at laurakconnell.com and that's uh, C-O-N-N-E-L-L, so two N's and two L's, laurakconnell.com or on Instagram at laurak.connell. A pleasure to have you with us today, Laura. Thank you so much for writing this book and welcome to One Life Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really grateful to be here. Yeah, no, so what what made you want to, what made you want to write this book? What happened? In your life. <laughs> yes, a lot. Well, there's a couple of reasons I wanted to write the book. One, of course, is my experience. These are things I went through and that I recovered from and that I wanted to share with people. Um, the book is about making the connection between your adult self-sabotage and your childhood unmet needs or what you might call childhood trauma. And so interestingly enough... In childhood, if we don't get our needs met, we tend to develop these coping mechanisms, and these are how we deal with the pain of not being, not getting the care and attention that we need. And as we get older, we keep using these coping mechanisms, and they turn into what looks like self-sabotage. So the ways that we try to protect ourselves become very self-defeating in adulthood, and so, of course, this has a really deep impact on all areas of our lives. So these are the things that I was dealing with. But having gone to therapy, I didn't make that connection because I was really told that it's more about behavior modification and changing your habits, changing your thoughts, thinking more positively, things like that. And those methodologies would work for a short time as long as I was policing myself and my uh -huh. thoughts and so on. But as soon as I relaxed and sort of let myself stop policing myself, I would go right back into my old patterns. And the reason for that is that when you change your habits and your thoughts and so on, you're not really changing yourself. And what we need to have a real shift in these patterns is an internal transformation. Mm. So that's what I provide people within the book as an alternative to the behavior modification and the cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that that work on the surface level or that treat the symptoms. And I get more to the root of the problem. And the other way or the other reason I wrote it is that I wanted an antidote to tough love. I saw a lot of kind I of love that. mean spirited stuff yeah. out there around self-sabotage. Like it's your fault. You need to pick yourself up. You need to stop effing yourself and get your stuff together. And I just wanted something that was more self-loving and more compassionate because I know that had worked for me. Oh, I think it's, I think that tough love is outdated. I don't, 
and I, I'm trying to think. I used to know who was the creator of it, if you will, where that idea first came from, Tough Love. I think there was yeah. a book actually written by it. I can't think of it right now, but I totally agree with you. I've seen it firsthand. I've experienced it firsthand. How you heal is not through tough love. I do think there's a time and a place to hold people accountable and play, you know, a little bit of hardball with them, if you will, and and not force, but encourage them to take a look at themselves and the mistakes that they may be making and face those um, face those faults, whatever they may be, in order to grow as a person. So I don't know if you would call that tough love or not, but I agree with you 100%. But you you said a couple of minutes ago of about unmet childhood needs. So I'm going to jump ahead here a little book. In your book, you discuss how unmet childhood needs can lead to self-sabotage and unfulfilled dreams. Can you give us some examples of what unmet childhood needs needs are? Absolutely. These range from the need for comfort, the need for praise and encouragement, uh, the need to feel safe and secure. Um, And then you can go to your basic needs, like your physical needs of having the clothes and the food and the shelter that you need and all of that. But generally in the book, I tend to be talking about those more emotional kind of needs that aren't getting supported. So if you're in what I call a dysfunctional home, you are not getting what children in a healthy home get, which is this sense that your parents or your caregivers really have your back. So when you feel like someone is there for you and really cares for you and you're safe with them when they're in charge of you, um, as a child, you can go out into the world and feel very secure and knowing that there's someone right behind you that you can fall back on. So this Mm -hmm. gives you a feeling of optimism, of exploration and curiosity, of seeing the world as kind of your oyster almost, like what can I learn? Uh, What what is there out there for me? How can I present myself? All of this stuff. But if on the other end you feel you're not getting your needs met, you feel the caregivers are not there for you, you're not getting praise and encouragement, you feel maybe they don't even like you and are not there for you, you really become someone who is fearful of the world. So you Mm -hmm. see the world as a place that you have to navigate all by yourself and you're Mm -hmm. only a little child, so you really don't know how to do that. You kind of see threats everywhere even when they don't exist because you're so obsessed with keeping yourself safe because Mm -hmm. you feel you're the only one who's doing that and so this changes your whole world view to one of seeing the world as an amazing place to explore as to seeing it as a place that can be even terrifying like even on a daily basis you can wake up and just see the world as you know one field of landmines that you have to navigate one after the other And that really takes the joy out of life and it really takes away any chance of you kind of showing up as you're supposed to be because you're just so busy um, trying to keep yourself safe and protected the only way that you know how. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say this. I, I, I looked it up during the break, the tough love thing. It's Bill Milliken. Uh, in 1968, he wrote a book of that same title. And there's been lots of books written since then on uh, tough love and how and if it should even be applied Um as we said, I don't believe in it. You don't believe in it. I do believe that ca- compassion is the way to heal someone. Uh, and you talk about it in your book. It's not your fault. The subconscious reasons we self-sabotage and how to stop it. Um, uh, so let me go to this. Can you tell us about your experience growing up in a dysfunctional family and how it affected your life as an adult? 
Absolutely. So I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, and this was a home where both of my parents were very neglectful, especially emotionally. But with my mother, there was the added dimension of what I would call emotional abuse. And this was compounded by her mental illness of some kind. It hasn't been diagnosed, but, you know, I've heard some people, like professionals that I visited, say it could be a borderline personality or it could be a bipolar or something just um, that made it difficult for her to, to show compassion and empathy for other people. So you can imagine as a child when your mother doesn't really have the capacity to care for you that you would feel very alone. So my mother was quite mean to me as well. And like a lot of what I would call narcissistic mothers or parents in general, she would save her abuse for when nobody was watching. So Mm -hmm. she knew when to put it on me and when not to. And there was a lot of gaslighting as I got older, which is when you try to make somebody understand how you feel and they turn it against you or they tell you that you're imagining it, things like that, which just makes you, it's designed to kind of shut you up. So that's what I grew up with and trying to forge a relationship. And then my father on the other side was very neglectful. So he kind of just stayed out of it. He wasn't really involved in my life. He didn't even really look at me that much except to criticize me. So that was the sort of environment I grew up in. Yeah, it was very, I came out, I say, like a feral cat almost because I was so fearful of everyone and everything because of the Mm -hmm. lack of support in my life. Mm -hmm. And so growing up with this, it it made me, um, like I said, those coping mechanisms I adopted included, as I got into teenagehood, alcohol. So I started leaning on alcohol to kind of soothe the pain that I was feeling all the time. And this relationship with my mother that I couldn't make work, not knowing that it's because she's not really able to have a functional relationship. Mm-hmm. And then going to therapy and having therapists at the time, because I'm 52, so I started therapy in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they weren't making the connection between childhood trauma and your adult, adult outcomes. Right. So again, I was getting books on positive psychology from them. I was getting the old behavior modification. Even though they had done an intake on my family and they knew what I was going through, they just weren't making that connection. And I think it was actually the ACEs study, the Adverse Childhood Events Study in 1995 that really started to change that. And caregivers or mental health professionals started to pay attention to the way that these two things are linked, not getting what you need in childhood and these terrible adult outcomes, including physical ones like chronic illness and things like that, they are related. Mm -hmm. So dealing with this trying to forge a relationship with this person that I couldn't have a relationship with, going to therapy to get help with that and having the therapist tell me that you you must have a relationship with your mother. It's essential. You will always regret it if you don't. And so just trying and trying and trying at something that is really banging your head against the wall because it's never going to work. So freedom for me was finally, and this is quite recent, finally being able to say, this is never going to work. There's nothing I can say or do that's going to make this relationship function in a way that's not 
really pulling me down and mm-hmm. making life incredibly hard to navigate. And right. so finally, I had to cut ties with that one. Just just briefly, because we have to go to break, but a, a sort of an aside question I have. Did you find that when you started therapy early on and you got that, we'll call it a negative experience, a lackluster, you know, not a, not a good experience, did you find that that affected your... Um, your view on therapy later on in life and made it harder for you to actually like find a therapist that could help you? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because of how I grew up, I never thought there was anything wrong with the therapy. I thought there was something wrong with me. Mm. So I just would try different therapists mm-hmm. hoping mm-hmm. that I could finally get it right. So that's one thing I tell people now is that the therapist works for you and not the other way around. And you need to be interviewing them and making sure that they know about childhood trauma, complex trauma, how this affects your adult outcomes. How do they feel about family estrangement? Do they believe that you must have a relationship with your family? Mm -hmm. These are the things you want to ask before you go into that relationship. And also remember that this is an interpersonal relationship and you have to feel good with them as well. Right. And safe. Yeah. And those Mm -hmm. are uh, good things to think about. I'm really enjoying this conversation. I know that our listeners are as well. We're speaking with Laura K. Connell uh, and her book, it's not your fault. The sub the subconscious reasons we self sabotage and how to stop. We'll be right back. We're going to go to break and uh, stay tuned. You, You are listening to one life radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Magnesium supports the health of nearly every system in the human body, yet it can be difficult to maintain healthy levels through diet or supplements. The ideal way to restore and maintain healthy magnesium levels is through your body's largest, most efficient organ of absorption, your skin. Be sure that your body is getting the magnesium it needs with Ancient Minerals, the number one recommended topical magnesium among health practitioners worldwide. Their lotions, highly concentrated magnesium oils, bath salts and gels make it easy to get the daily magnesium you need to thrive. And the best part? Ancient Minerals is part of Enviromedica, a name synonymous with quality and integrity. Learn more about magnesium and ancient minerals at Enviromedica.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at OneLifeRadio.com. Contagiously positive, One Life Radio is back. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with uh, Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Laura K. Connell. Uh, Laura is a trauma-informed author and coach who helps her clients uncover blind spots that lead to self-sabotage. We're talking about her book today, It's Not Your Fault, The Subconscious Reasons We Self-Sabotage and How to Stop Them. So, you know, Laura, uh, your book discusses setting boundaries and eliminating toxic people from your life. How do, how do we begin that process? Yeah, well, setting boundaries is often a big problem for people who grow up with unmet needs in childhood because one of the ways we try to get the love and attention of our caregivers is by not having boundaries. So boundaries are basically what tells you or what tells other people what you will tolerate and you won't. It kind of 
puts that divide between yourself and other people in a healthy way. So you're not an extension of anyone else. Mm-hmm. But if you were raised by a narcissist, say, they do view you as a child as an extension of them. So they don't tolerate boundaries. So in order to stay in their good books, that you would have to not have boundaries. So then you become very conditioned to not have boundaries and you go out into the world. And even as you get older and into adulthood, you would just kind of treat everybody as you treated your parents. So you're so fearful of losing love or losing acceptance. And you think that having boundaries is going to do that. So what you do instead is what a lot of people call people pleasing. So mm-hmm. instead of thinking about what you want, mm-hmm. you will go into um, what do they want. And sometimes it comes so naturally that you don't even think about it. Yeah. So when you have this, this um, kind of way of being in the world that is externally focused, instead of focused on yourself, you're focused on pleasing other people, that really primes you to attract toxic people into your life because they're going to sense that you're easy to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. And then the healthy people are actually going to be a little bit repelled by you because when you don't have boundaries, you're not being honest, even Mm -hmm. though I feel a little bit mean saying that because you don't feel like you're being dishonest. You just are doing your best to get by when you don't Mm -hmm. have boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, But it isn't honest communication because you're not telling people what you want. And sometimes it's because you don't even know what you want because you're so not used to pursuing that. Right. And that's a lot of the self-discovery that is in this process of healing But so healthy people are kind of going to keep their distance because they are not going to really trust you because your communication is not honest. They want intimacy in relationships, and that's not possible when you don't have boundaries and when you Mm -hmm. don't really know who you are. So the toxic people might be more present in your life for that reason. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, how to deal with them, especially if they're in your family, is to understand the hard truth that they are really invested in not understanding you for one thing. So if you feel misunderstood in your family, if you feel like no matter what you say, people don't get you or they call you crazy or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. often that's because they have a vested interest in keeping the family system going. Mm -hmm. So you might be the scapegoat in the family and that's the one who gets blamed for everything. That's the one they point to to say, you're the problem, actually. The family doesn't have any problems. It's you. But in fact, the scapegoat is often just the person who wants to be emotionally honest, who wants to tell the truth about things, get to the bottom of things. But in the dysfunctional family system, those insights and those emotional, that emotional honesty is not welcome at all because what it's going to do is expose the system, which often, sometimes there's even criminal things going on they don't want to Mm -hmm. But at other times, it's just a sense that this is the way we've always operated. And even though it doesn't work well, it's all we know. And we need to do whatever we have to to keep it going this way. And if that means throwing you under the bus, that's what they're going to do. So that's the purpose of the gaslighting I was talking about. And so Mm -hmm. it's telling that hard truth that 
these people who are supposed to love you and support you may not. Mm -hmm. And to stop kind of driving yourself crazy by going to them over and over, trying Mm -hmm. to get a result such as understanding, love, all that stuff that you never got from them and start to give it to yourself and find other people who are healthy, who can give it to you as well. Mm -hmm. So much I want to say. I'm looking at the clock wondering, you know, how much time we have. But I I love chapter five in your book, uh, Dealing with Toxic People. It is very difficult to set boundaries with toxic people. Um, And I love how you talk in here about toxic people can't tolerate vulnerability. Toxic people are selfish. Toxic people are critical. Toxic people uh, demand trust before it's earned. Uh, so much of this is such important information when establishing good boundaries and healthy relationships with other people and also being forgiving of them too. But, you know, earlier you were talking uh, about, you know, making the shift internal modifications that we all need to do in order to, um, you know, be healthier, mentally and emotionally healthier. So many people have difficulty facing themselves. Why is that? Is it ego? Ego is the enemy. What is it, Laura? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be ego. I think a lot of times, too, it's that going back to childhood again, because I always bring it back to childhood. Mm-hmm. And it is that sense that you don't really know who you are. And a lot of that is because nobody showed you. Because when you're a little baby and a child, your parents are supposed to kind of reflect back to you who you are or help you mm-hmm. develop yourself by You know, that praise and encouragement I talked about, giving you guidance, kind of putting you in the direction of your talents and things like that. So if you're ignored or abused or nobody seems to care about what you want, that sense of self is going to be very underdeveloped and very fractured. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be in the world not knowing who you are and then desperately trying to find who you are in what other people think of you. So you might have a feeling of being very empty and then you're looking outside yourself, not to make connections, but to try to fill that empty space with other people's praise or other people's validation Mm -hmm. but then the way you're going about getting this validation is further disconnecting you from yourself Mm -hmm. because of that people pleasing I was talking about yeah so you're not presenting yourself because you don't know who that is and you are trying to fill this hole inside of you in a way that's not fulfilling actually that's never going to fulfill you no it can create codependency as well right that's exactly what it does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh, so many, but I'm trying to decide again what direction I, w- I want to go in with this. You know, uh, during the break, Marie and I were talking about how you were talking about childhood when you, and you, you spoke candidly a few minutes ago about your mother and your relationship with your mother. Did you ever look into your mother's childhood and have any discovery as to what happened to her to make her, uh, uh, absent I can't remember the exact word that you use that uh, yeah yeah she was very emotionally abusive and narcissistic and it's interesting because when you were raised by a narcissist you know everything about them they don't want to know anything about you but you know everything Mm -hmm. about them so Mm -hmm. she was constantly telling me how terrible her childhood was and how all the awful things that she had to go through was actually a daily listening that I had to endure 
of what all the things that she went through, which, yes, were very difficult. And she grew up in a, almost like a third world country in the um, in the Caribbean. So mm. it's probably even worse than a lot of us would have it here in, in North America, right, for different reasons, like no running water and things like that. Um, so, yeah, she definitely had her trauma. Her parents were definitely abusive and neglectful. And that absolutely had an impact on her, which unfortunately, to this day, at, at least she hasn't been able to heal. Wow. That sounds very much like my mother when I was growing up. Yeah. She used to remind me how bad she had it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Narcissism. Yeah. And that's another way as a child that you become disconnected from yourself because you, then you become almost, what we, well, not almost, what we call parentified, which is almost like being the parent. So you're managing your parents' emotional needs and they're ignoring yours. And that's an mm-hmm. example of it, just sort mm-hmm. of confiding in you about things that maybe aren't necessarily appropriate for you to hear as a little child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. It really is. And I'm looking at the clock and we're going to go to a, uh, for another break. Everyone stay tuned. More coming up with Laura K. Connell. We're talking about her book, It's Not Your Fault, The Subconscious Reasons We Self-Sabotage and How to Stop Them St- or, and How to Stop. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. Children's Health Defense, led by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., is devoted to the health of all people and the planet. Their team fights tirelessly against the public health policies, practices, and mandates that are harming our health, and threatening our medical freedoms. Children's Health Defense steps in where others fear to tread. Visit childrenshealthdefense.org and tune in every Monday for health freedom news and views with the president of Children's Health Defense, Mary Holland. The ecosystems of the body and the earth are inseparable. Gut health is the foundation of all health, And just as biodiversity is integral to the health of the Earth's ecosystems, microbial diversity and balance are key to the health of your gut microbiome. I have been taking Enviromedica probiotics for over six years now, and I encourage you to try them as well. Rewild your gut with spore-based probiotics and wild-harvested prebiotics. Visit Enviromedica.com and check out all of their excellent products. Get reconnected to the Earth with Enviromedica. That's Enviromedica.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Laura K. Connell. We are continuing our conversation about her book, It's Not Your Fault, The Subconscious Reasons uh, We Self-Sabotage and How to Stop. You know, um, what's the most important message you feel, Laura, in this book or the, the, the greatest tool that's in this book? Which, which chapter? I know it's all important, but if you had to pick one, what would yeah. it be? I think it goes back to that antidote to tough love that we were talking about. So I would say instead of being mean to yourself, and often we think, you know, what I call the inner critic or what we all call um, that voice inside of us that kind of tears us apart. 
Um, we're often afraid to let go of that because we think that it's motivating. You know, we think that it's spurring us on. And if we don't have it, that maybe we'll drop the ball on everything. And I would challenge people there and ask them, you know, you've been doing this tough love for so long and has it worked, you know, and the answer is probably going to be no or not very well. And I would say maybe it's time to try something different. And in the same way, that book you mentioned about tough love that was written in 1968, Mm -hmm. you know, things evolve in psychology and what we thought worked at a certain point in time isn't necessarily the best that's available because more research is done all the time. And out of that research is a modality called uh, mindful self-compassion that's been championed by a psychologist called Dr. Kristen Nass out of the University of Texas. And she's been doing this research, I don't know how many years, but more than a decade for sure. And she's proven through her research that that mean voice is actually not motivating. And it's Mm -hmm. much more motivating to be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. And she says self-compassion has three components. It's that self-kindness, treating yourself as well as you treat others. Because oh, if you that. think about how you treat other people and how you treat yourself, there's probably a marked difference, right? You don't talk mm-hmm. to people the way you talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're meaner to yourself. And then um, the other part of it is to know that you're not alone. So no matter what you're going through, no matter how unique it might seem, if you even Google it, there's going to be lots of other people going through the same thing. So knowing that can give you some comfort. And then the last one is what they call mindfulness. And this is just paying attention to whatever is going on with you, especially how you feel and accepting it and loving yourself through it. So Mm -hmm. we often have feelings that we label as bad. So we say, I shouldn't feel that way. And we push it aside And again, this can go back to childhood, not having support around your emotions. So if you can feel whatever you're feeling, and instead of pushing it away or scolding yourself for having that feeling, can you comfort yourself through it? Can you be that parent to that child inside you that didn't get the support it needed? And can you say, you know, I feel sad. And instead of being mean to yourself about it or trying to get over it, can you just give yourself a little bit of comfort through that? And that's Mm -hmm. what we call the reparenting process or the inner child healing process. That's Mm -hmm. a big part of this work. Yeah. I love in the book, in Chapter 10, you talk about healing, love addiction. Uh, You know, I'm a little guilty of love addiction. I love being in love. (laughs) I think there's actually a song about it, right? (laughs) I'm sure there's books written about it as well. But, you know, what causes love addiction, Laura? Primarily, love addiction is caused by emotional neglect in childhood. So if you Mm -hmm. didn't get your emotional needs met, this will often lead to what we call an anxious attachment style. And that's where you're kind of feeling like you need somebody else to complete you, especially a romantic partner, Mm -hmm. to make you whole or to make you okay. And you tend to be very clingy and needy in relationships. Or mm-hmm. Those words are a bit judgmental, but you get the idea yeah. that you... But I'm not like that. Be... Yeah, but right. I'm not... So maybe I'm... you're not really love addiction. You can be in love with love without having a love addiction. Love okay. addiction is more where you are... You're, you're kind of going for people 
who are not at all interested in you. And mostly women suffer from this, though men can too, but it's Mm -hmm. primarily women. Mm -hmm. So you go out with someone who doesn't show any interest in you, maybe doesn't treat you very well, and you'll feel this longing for them that Mm -hmm. is indescribable. You can't live without them. And a lot of times that happens because say your father didn't pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. So you got the feeling that love is something I have to earn. Love is something I have to strive for. Yeah. And even when I strive for it, I never get it. Yeah. So being with a man who ignores you is going to feel very familiar, very much like home, and you're going to mistake it for attraction. Mm-hmm. And it even comes through in being chemically attracted to this person and feeling a deep um, want for this person that you can't explain and you can't push away. You just can't help yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of love addiction. And you, you have fantasy relationships in your head when you're in love addiction. So again, this person who really isn't very interested in you, you're imagining yourself walking down the aisle with him, even mm-hmm. though he's made, he might even have said he's never getting married, but you think I can turn him around. I can make him see. And so again, detaching from yourself, because if you're trying to win someone's love, you're not going to be yourself. You're mm-hmm. going to be presenting this false image of a perfect person that by the way, you can't continue. Like something's going to happen to kind of crack the facade, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's no intimacy in that type <laughs> of arrangement either. You're, you're triggering, Marie. I'm uh, pretty sure after talking about this, I, I don't think I have a love addiction, but I do love the feeling of being in love. And, uh, you know, uh, but, but what, 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 what? Oh, I just have she's to She's over say there it. wiggling in her seat. So what do you want In that say? same vein, it's like in the people that do love you, you think something's wrong with them. Yes, absolutely. Uh On the other side, (laughs) if they do pay attention to you and if they do make everything easy for you, like loving you is not something that you have to earn. They just give it to you. That can be even repulsive. That can be friend zone. You know, that's not somebody Uh you're attracted to if you have love addiction, because to you, love is not easy. It's hard to get. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of the song, You're Going to Have to Face It, You're Addicted to Love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the song uh-huh. I was trying to think of. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But are those people doomed to never have a relationship? <laughs> like, no. I always think, always She's asking for a friend. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All it takes is really facing it and doing the hard work of breaking the pattern. So looking at when you're attracted to someone – Asking yourself why, you know, is it because he reminds me of my father who didn't pay attention to me? And can I be brave enough? And this is where the self-discipline comes in. Can I be brave enough to break that pattern? Uh-huh. Can, even though I'm longing for this person so much, can I face the truth and be a grown-up? That's the inner child healing. Don't be the child. Be the grown-up who's looking long-term and saying, how is this person going to be for me long term? And know that I'm probably just going to get hurt here. I'm never going to get what I want. So maybe I can go for that person who is giving me what I want and let the attraction build for them. Let it grow as I get to know them, even if it's not there right away. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we've only got about a minute. What do you, Laura, what do you recommend for anyone trying to live a happier life? Yeah, I would say that self-discovery is the key to living a happier life. And to me, happiness is authenticity. 
So a lot of us are struggling in inauthentic lives. And the importance of being authentic can't be over-exaggerated because if we're not authentic, it actually causes a lot of health problems. So living a false life, living a life for other people and not for yourself, this can even create disease in the body, they found. Um, so it's really important to be true to yourself, to find out who you are, to do whatever it takes to get there, because it can be difficult with all these patterns oh, yeah. and have these coping mechanisms, the conditioning. But if you can do the work and get the support you need to really find out who you are, your true self, that's going to lead you to happiness. And I don't love, forget puppies. I love, yeah, and puppies too. I love that message. Authenticity, everyone. Laura Connell, her book, It's Not Your Fault. I, uh, I highly recommend this book. It's been great having you on the show, Laura. Thank you so much for jumping on the air with us. I have to wrap this up. Everyone, you get one body, you get one mind, and you get one life. Be authentic. Be authentic, everyone.